This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, as you can tell, uh, we're going to do the podcast tonight. It's going to be a little bit different than normal. There's not much Tesla news, but I've got these two boneheads with me tonight. Eric is remote. <laughs> we got Ian and uh, Tesla Tino himself, no, none other than uh, Rafael Santoni, who, uh, who's vacationing in Canada for the first time. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So uh, he's joining us again on the podcast as usual. Well, not as usual. It's been a while, right, since we had you on? February. Yeah, it was about February. That's right. When we did our uh, show about nothing at Michael's place. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, happy to have you here, and uh, we can talk about all kinds of stuff. Listen, there's nothing on the agenda. There's not much Tesla news this week, but uh, since you two guys both drove up here, we thought we'd have some experiences and some talking about efficiency and our experiences with supercharging stuff, because we noticed some things today when we went up to our, uh, our swimming hole. Um, you know, for those of you who've been watching on Twitter, our shenanigans that went on today, we'll put a vlog together a little bit later. It might be a kind of interesting and stuff uh right so Ian, you drove up yesterday i did and, and you're leaving tomorrow correct and Raphael's here until saturday morning so we still got some more stuff to do but um actually i want to start with Raphael because you came the furthest you drove basically up from the miami area and you made a couple of stops along the way so what can you tell our viewers with a you, now you have a long range perform or no a long range model three rear wheel drive yeah um, so how many charging stops do you think you did? And, and the mileage is what, about uh, 12, 1,300 miles? I think it's about 1,600. About 1,600 or yeah, about Miami, 25. Miami 25. here, yeah, it would be about 1,600. Yeah, yeah. so about 2,500 kilometers, right, one way? Five yeah. stops. Five stops? Five stops. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, That'd be about 25 in the Model X, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were too short, though. The car is charging so quick now. Yeah. But wasn't it five stops to Ohio? Um, it was five stops. I think you're right. It was. Five, yeah. I think it was five stops to, to Dayton, Ohio. Ohio. That yeah. would make sense. And we did one more stop on the way from Dayton to here. Okay. Yeah. That's still so, pretty incredible. So six stops. Right. I thought oh. it was four, but I yeah lost, lost okay. track. No, that's right. You hit Woodstock before you hit my place. Exactly. That's right. Right. And do you remember what your average watt hour efficiency was? Yes, it was like 271. 271 yeah. watt hour per mile, mm -hmm. right, yeah. Cool, uh, that's really efficient. How many, like who did you go see? You went to see Earl in Ohio, and you saw. Yes. so we first stopped at. Um, you saw Brian at I went Tesla, yes, right? Yes, I okay. went Tesla's Brian. Yeah. Uh, we wanted, uh, we were gonna meet with Karen, his wife, but yeah. she wasn't available, so yeah. um, she was traveling actually. Yeah. Um, we stopped in North Carolina for that. And then from there we went to Ohio, where we met Earl, and we met Norman. <laughs> Norman the dog. Norman. Front puppy himself, right? Yes. Oh, and man. Yeah, yes. yeah, well, represent. We met that guy. Yeah. Uh, and now, for those of you who are not watching the video, my apologies, but Ian's wearing the front puppy t-shirt, so. Yes. Got to support the cause. Yep. Uh, also the real photo, it's not Photoshop. That's actually what the car looks like. That's right. Yep. <laughs> At least now it does. I'll blank out. <laughs> yeah. And Wilson, the other dog, and we met uh, Earl's daughter also. Yeah. And uh, it was really cool, really yeah. great time. Uh, we actually stopped at us uh, like a, this. It's a place similar to like Whole Foods in the U.S., um, but it's a local, you know, supermarket. Yeah. They had they had free uh, charging. Nice. There. Yes. Also, so we met with him there, and then from there we took off yeah. and we went to London. Yeah. Here in Canada, 
and then we came to see you. Cool. And no problems crossing the border? Absolutely none. They just asked me, are you carrying any weapons? I said no and go right That's ahead. all we care about, weapons. Yep. Very much. <laughs> Yeah. When we cross the U.S. or the other side, all they care about is, do you have any booze or do you have any fruits? <laughs> they never ask us about guns. No. <laughs> that is very different. Yeah. Mm. So overall, good, relaxing drive, not so bad. Awesome. Yeah. The only stress that I went through was the car was charging so quick. I, I, I tend mm -hmm. to stop to eat Yeah. and stretch my legs and go to the restroom. But it was always done before we finished. It was like... So I remember stops of 15 minutes. I think it was twice. Yeah. Uh, at 25 and 2.30s. That's incredible. Yeah. It was something like yeah. that. So fast. Well, with the increase of the superchargers now at 150 kilowatts, and soon they're going to be bringing on the 250s on with V3. Um, it's going to be even shorter. <laughs> yeah. I was charging Well, at least always. for shorten periods of time, at least, yeah. you know, because it spikes, right? So. Yeah. I was always charging at over 600 miles an hour. That's crazy. Insane. That's yeah. nuts. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, uh, yeah, you'll be able to follow along for the remainder of the last couple of days when Rafael and his wife are here. Uh, we'll plan on doing some stuff. So uh, how about you, Ian? You, you drove up yesterday, so you're in Montreal, and you're charging. How many charging stops do you do to get here? One. <laughs> how many miles is that? That's 600 kilometers? or uh, It's not that bad. No, from door to door, because I'm in the west end of Montreal. Oh, right? I start right, from yeah. Vaudreuil. Yeah. So from Droid to Aurora is around 520, 530 kilometers. So that's... Three, but 350 miles, 340 miles, something like yeah, that. Yeah, but one charging stop. Yeah, about 20 minutes. And uh, exact same experience as you. I, I ran, literally ran across the street from the Belleville supercharger to the subway, grabbed my sandwich, ran back, just had time to, to finish it. Like literally last bite down, the car's like, ding, gotta go. And uh, I still wound up here with 15% remaining. I, I wasn't able to use yeah. all the charge that I had picked up, and, and I, mean, I was hauling. And we're and we're charging two, <clears throat> and we're charging two Teslas here in the in the driveway alternately with these guys, and it never seems to be a problem. Yeah. Get up in the morning, we got full charge. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the Model Three is certainly a uh, a road trip beast. It seems to be uh, quite. Now, what we saw today. Yeah, was today was interesting. Is... So this is this is going to yeah. get interesting yeah. here is that uh, originally, the first comparison I was ever able to do of my dual motor performance against uh, a single motor rear wheel drive long range was when we did uh, the, uh, the Tesla convoy up to Kennedy Space Center mm -hmm. back in February, yep. and we were all down there together. Yep. And as we were rolling along, uh, we were talking back and forth between Raphael's car and mine, and there was a fairly significant difference in the instantaneous consumption. Like you were down, I think, in the low 200s on that day mm -hmm. in terms of the watt hours, the speed we were rolling. And I was way closer up to 300 at that point. And, you know, that's typically what we associated the difference between dual cars and, uh, and the long-range rear-wheel drives. But for some reason, my efficiency has been getting better and better. And I hadn't really noticed it. I figured, okay, it's got to be to do the temperature right because, you know, I've, I've never really had the car in warm climate. I, well, I got it back in September and then the, the temperature You had it already through winter. I was all through the winter, exactly. So I, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. And then today we got to go head to head because we were, we put a good, what, close to... It was an hour and a half drive each way. Each mm -hmm. way. So about yeah. three hours. We must have put the better part of 300 and something kilometers on the cars. Yeah. And our consumption was in, was in 1% battery yeah. you know, of the two cars. So like literally... 
you know, 2% maybe at the end of 50% usage, so approximately 1% difference in consumption, which to me was astonishing. Yeah. I've never seen And And the conditions, I mean, it's not flat here. I mean, yeah. where we were going, it was hilly, it was windy. I mean, some of it was highway driving, but when we yeah. got off the highway, of course. So, yeah, it was really interesting. Don't forget, Raphael came up, and he had his, uh, the Tesla roof rack on the top. Yes. And you've, you've noticed, essentially, that it doesn't really seem to make any difference, as long as you don't put anything on it. Exactly. Right? Like, back then, for the Kennedy Space Center drive that we did yeah. together, I was, like, 20% more efficient than you yeah. on that drive. And now the difference was between 1% and 2%. Yeah, and, it was almost and, rounding error. Yeah, and it's not that my car's efficiency went down. My car's efficiency has been consistent still, the same. So, so, yeah. so something's going on with the performance yeah. car or the all-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from anybody else, you know, uh, if you want to chime in in the comments. I'd really appreciate some experiences from our listeners and viewers as to if you have a dual motor, have you noticed that your efficiency is getting any better? You know what? Something that just came to mind now, and I was just thinking, maybe there's something to do. Maybe they've, they've tweaked the, the, the priority of the drive motors. Maybe it's more like highway now where they're emphasizing the front motor rather than... Should be the opposite, because I think the think um, yeah, I think the partial permanent magnet in the rear is the more efficient of the two. I mean, that's why we got all the big efficiency improvement in the Ravens mm. update, right? So I, I would give the rear most of the time the advantage for efficiency, but who knows what they might have done? How about you, Eric? Have you have you uh, have you done any long range trips recently? I mean, you went to uh, you went to. Um uh, Disney recently, didn't you? Yeah, I've gotten to Central Florida, and, and most oftentimes I'm able to get there uh, charging the car to 90 or 100% in some cases and driving straight through. Yeah. The longest trip I ever made was the one we went to in, in February going to Cape Canaveral uh, for the KSC Visitor Center trip. Uh, in that trip, I went ahead and from where I live in South Florida, drove up to the Cape without having to stop and charging. I got to the Kennedy Space Center with about like under five miles of range left. Uh, and uh, charged uh, over at the visitor center, but uh, that's the only time I've really ever had to go like from one place to the next. I've never gone on a trip where I've had to stop on the route, charge just to be able to reach the destination. Yeah, we stopped in south end of Barrie. There's two superchargers <clears throat> in uh, Barrie when we get back, and where we stopped today, uh, we plug Raphael's car in, and I sat and I had my camera on it, and it it went and hit like 143 kilowatts, like boom, just mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the stall that Ian was plugged into, but yours didn't get quite as high, and it seemed to no. back off on yours a little sooner than Raphael's. Yeah, I was in the 143 kilowatt range, which is almost yeah. because always. Because remember, we, when we but, pulled in, we were within one yeah. percent, I think it was, right on the percentage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> oh, by the way, I've been trying to get Raphael here to run on percentage mode rather than miles mode on the car. And I'm doing it now. Yeah, he seems to be okay now. Yeah, so we'll see how it how it pans out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of people out there. You know, the default when you get a Tesla is that it leaves it in kilometers or miles. And I've always been a proponent, like treat it like a gas car or a cell phone. Put it in percentage mode because when we drive around on a gas car, it doesn't tell you. Well, modern cars, if you dig into a menu, it'll tell you roughly a calculation. Right. But you know, it's half, it's full, it's empty, whatever. So mm -hmm. uh, that I, I found, especially for me, is that if I put it in percentage mode, I had no range anxiety. I basically drove it until I needed to charge at 20% or so. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's, mm -hmm. just, that's just me. I mean, I'm not saying you have to. I just found that uh, range anxiety uh, seems to disappear. Better. Well, one yeah. of the nice things about that, me doing that now, is that every day I do something different in this car. It's like, not only does it get updates constantly, right? I also get to try new things. So this and I showed event. you a tip today that you didn't know. Remember I told you yesterday that if you charge somewhere that's not a destination charger, it will tag it on the map. 
So he was charging at my place, and as we were pulling in tonight, I went and zoomed in on the map, and sure enough, there it was. Mm -hmm. It actually tags it on your map. So, yep. yeah, for those of you who are looking for that kind of thing, if you ever need to go to destination, whatever, tap it into a favorites or something like that, but you'd be surprised. Now, it's not sent to the cloud or anything like that. It's just local to your car. So wherever mm -hmm. you charge um, your car, it'll, it'll geotag those, those spots and stuff. Um, what else went on there uh, today? What else did we find that was kind of interesting? I forget now. We can always. So I, I did want to kind of contribute my end to this uh, with the percentages versus mileage numbers. So I've, I've tinkered with both settings in the past, and I sort of stick with the mileage figures uh, for the most part because I like to, on occasion, know based on, if in my head, like especially if I'm driving in state here in Florida a lot, I sort of know the distance from A to B. And if I'm able to sort of gauge the way that I'm driving, I can see as I'm driving how the figures adjust. If the mileage remaining is kind of true to how I'm driving, or maybe if I'm at a certain speed where it's, you know, if I'm driving five miles, but now it's actually tabulating that I drove six miles off of it. So I'm able to do the calculations more. With the percentages, it takes longer to, for me to do the calculation. Now, again, if you're doing a long trip and you don't really care, if you know that your supercharger is going to be X miles away and it's just going to have you stop and, you know, 40 minutes charge for 20 and keep going, you don't even think twice about it. Um, so I guess it depends on what your circumstances. But I, I, you know, like I said, for me, in most cases, I like to know, I know how far something is. I know how much mileage is on my car. I want to make sure that I'm sort of keeping within that so I can adjust my driving, you know, to the minute if need be to make sure I'm hitting my range correctly. Mm -hmm. That's how I use it. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. how I use it. Yeah, I've always relied on the on the on the navigation system because uh, when you type in an address, of course, if you scroll down, it'll tell you approximately what your return percentage to be. If you're on a daily trip or whatever, it helps. Uh, you know, I've just found that it helps with efficiency. It, it becomes like a game, right? When you're driving, it's just like, how efficient can I be with this thing? Mm -hmm. Or like, if I really punch it, what, what's it going to do? You know, yep. it's it's always well for those guys numbers. for you guys that take long trips now. Do you know what your um what your watt usage was? Uh, per hour or have you been tracking that on your trip on your trip meters i mean like total life of the car or just on the trip? no just like like for example um you know you're if you swipe the card from yeah. uh, left to right yeah. you mm -hmm. obviously see your metrics um do you know how many watts per hour like for your for these specific trips i know yeah. rafael for sometimes was like labeling his trips and kind of keep, keeping track of what the efficiency was mm -hmm. i'm just curious for these long trips you've taken i know uh Ian, when you went from Canada to Florida, maybe vice versa, did you guys track uh, those figures yeah. to see what your uh, efficiency was for your energy usage? So what was yours again? Yeah, so mine's been uh, 270. Um, I, what I do is that I have, there's, I think there's four. Uh -huh. So the first two are like uh, since you started driving and then right. since last charge. So mm -hmm. the third one, I always on a long trip, I reset that one. So I know during that long trip, what is my average? And mm -hmm. then the last one is just history. I never reset it since I got yeah. the car. That's, that was a mistake I made. I forgot about that. I should have left one of the trip meters as historical data right from the beginning. And mm -hmm. of that's course, I, I never knew what I had total, right? So yeah. yeah, I have one that's permanently, it basically is from the day I picked up the car. It's never been reset. That one's at around 223 um, per kilometer. Per kilometer. Hours per oh. kilometer. So, you know, for okay. you. Hold you on, we'll do the conversion here. Yeah, here we go. For those of you well, not on the scientific you're doing, measurement you're doing system. That, mine's about 236, yeah. 237 uh, watts per hour. Wow. 
Yeah, it's that's well, the difference what, in the climate. Because well, wasn't I, that the goal with Tesla? Right, it was about two fifty. Yes, mine is two forty four. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. Well, there you go. There's the answer. Three fifty six <laughs> is my lifetime average, Mister Energy Hog here. But most, almost all of that's winter. That, those okay? are Model X numbers. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's me driving around town sideways all day. Is what that is. Right. But uh, no, just to give you a bracket of what I get, you know, typically now in the summer. Uh, going back and forth from Toronto, if I'm at 100 kilometers an hour, or say about 60, 62 miles an hour, I'm getting around 150. So 150. That's good. Yeah, times. Um, yeah, it's about 240, 240 yeah. Um, per mile. Uh, watt, uh, watt hours per mile. Watt hours per mile. And if I, the upper end of my cruising speed, which would be between 130 and 140, which is what I was doing yesterday, I'm getting around 180, 185. Let's call it 185. So um, per kilometer, so yeah, just shy of 300 yeah. when I'm approaching the you know 85 mile an hour bracket or, or mm -hmm. 140 kilometers. We an need hour. to graph that to show people, right? Because it is yeah. logarithmic, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know, the it, air it, resistance it, it, it goes up pretty steeply once you start. Well, exactly. it's 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 it, it is exactly what you'd expect. It really just starts to climb. Because, yeah, the air resistance doubles or well, so quadruples as a function of the doubling of the speed. Air so. is actually fluid of sorts. It behaves yep. like a fluid. It is. Mm -hmm. It's fluid so. dynamics. We need, we need to get you off yeah. the astronaut boots. That's what? what we need to do. We need to get you off the <laughs> okay. yeah. gravity boots. That's gravity it. boots. Yeah, that's Just drive your car to JPL. See what those guys can do in, uh, in Pasadena. <laughs> All right. I'm down with that. Now, Ian, what's interesting about these numbers, too, is that because your car is a performance vehicle, your car already has been lowered. Correct. So it's interesting to think about with uh, Rafael's car not being lowered yeah. uh, to see what the figures would be if they were sort of driven the same way. My guess is the numbers would still be respectable, um, but I'm surprised for your car being lowered, you would think it would get better uh, well, it's only, it's only lower by about a centimeter, roughly about half an inch. So. It's exactly that, 10 millimeters or just shy of half an mm -hmm. inch. So, I mean, you know, we could... Uh, yeah, we, something you could test because it would, would to do that if you took a base model performance car which doesn't have a lowered suspension and ran it against a uh, a slightly lowered one. I'm guessing you'd see about a percent, maybe two, maybe mm. you know, like that's a no. The, the thing difference. you have to remember though, Ian's got a performance model three, but he's running his FCO fours on eighteen inch wheels. Yeah. Raphael's got his arrows minus the caps. On the 18th, yes. On the 18th. And we have the exact same tires. Yes. So yeah, and I have arrows on mine. I keep my covers on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the arrows will give you, according to all the tests we've seen so far, 4%, but next week we're going to have much more precise numbers. Uh, or we're going to have, yeah, we'll, we can't talk about too much, but... We uh, can't. No. Not yet. We could tell you, dear listeners, but we'd have to kill you. Yes, we'd have to reach through the internet and kill <laughs> all <right>. of you. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because since the day I, like, I picked up my car, I removed the arrows... And I have never used them. I've been all over the U.S. Mm -hmm. and yeah. now Canada, right? Yeah. Literally, like I went to um, uh, Silicon Valley. I yeah. went to Los Angeles. I've been to Philly and yeah. Key West, and I've been all over Texas. I mean, in my car, and I have never used the arrows. <gasps> all the hundreds of hours of simulation and wind tunnel testing that went into those the poor aero team that put those together they must They're just like, want to reach out what is the matter with you do you have you? any idea how long you know, and how hard we worked on those things and you morons are taking them off <laughs> that's right so but it's so it's a testament to what how good the car yeah. is right oh, yeah. the efficiency on the car is just completely oh it's mental charge. when, when it's you mental. yeah especially if you have the big battery i mean the, the charging yeah. stations are so close on most of the interstates and highways mm -hmm. I mean, you just you don't really think about it you know mm -hmm. like i drive mine like a complete idiot and i always make the next supercharger i mean it's never a problem yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean i have, I have twenty three thousand two hundred and sixty nine miles on my car 
all of it's been with the arrow covers. And I do wonder uh, how much less charging Raphael and others may have had if they actually kept their arrow covers on their vehicle with that extra four to five percent. I think it would be that much, honestly. I mean, you might you might say one charging stop. I mean, I know for me, oh, well, I'm overall, getting, yeah, maybe overall, yeah. But I mean, but if you're talking a certain trip, and that saves you, I mean, it could be forty minutes of charging on a, on a single trip, depending upon how long your trip is. Um, but it it is interesting to think about that four to five percent on a car that gives you over three hundred miles of range in the full charge. That's a pretty decent figure, uh, just from literally a cover on your tire. Speak, yeah, speaking of which, I wanted to ask you guys right now, since you've all owned your cars for, well, you're almost, you're coming up on a year. Yeah. And you're at, what, 14 months, 15 months, right? 14 and a half, yeah. Yeah, Eric, essentially the same thing now. Is that right? Yeah, I've had mine since uh, April of last year, so we're looking at uh, 17 months. So if you do a full charge on your car, what is, what's, what's your range? What are you getting now? Because this is the thing that everybody's talking about right now. It's just like, I'm not getting this anymore and getting that. I'm just, just curious because I know everything's a little different, right? So what do you, do you remember what 100%. you're getting? 100%. I get 310 miles rated range. Okay, so 310, and then what what are you getting? You Mine think? has been fluctuating between 315 and 320. I, I I got 325 right after the update, and I I think only twice. Yeah. But um, I've been driving spirited, so I you know the range calculations what the car shows you are based also on your driving habits. I think I thought it wasn't, but I did a test. Yeah. So I started driving for two weeks. I now you were telling me this. Yeah, right? I was started started driving like you know, basically normal you know sweet driving, and I saw a bump of like three miles more on a full charge. Really? Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's debatable, um, <laughs> right? Because some experts say one thing, some say yeah. the opposite. It's well. Hard. I th- the reason I ask is you have to remember, and, and for s- some of the uh, podcast listeners or the or YouTube listeners that might be tuning in the first time, maybe you just got your Tesla, is that traditionally with the battery is new, there's some settling of sorts of the chemistry that has to happen in the sense that most of your battery degradation, the most pronounced part of it, is within about the first year of ownership of the car. You can see as much as three, four percent um, on those cars, and after that, it's a very long, slow. Decline decline so um yeah if you see any kind of like if you get your car brand new and then you get a certain range and then after a year it drops a little bit or, or stays the same it just shows that uh you know tesla's chemistry on these batteries is, has been pretty resilient overall i wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that in roughly over a year i've driven thirty-seven thousand miles mm-hmm. so i've done a lot of supercharging yeah but only like when i'm doing the long trips yeah i never charge in superchargers when i'm low no of course not um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I mean, I've, I've really driven a lot. I know there's people that drive more than me, but it, you know, I put three years worth of miles in it within a year. Yeah. So what, um, now when you're charging at home, what are you normally charging it up to? What percentage? 90. 90? Yeah. Yeah, 90. 90. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I know honest. Elon said 90, and yeah. who's the battery expert guy at Tesla who said, no, it should be 80. So I'm splitting the difference now. I'm going 85. I'm sort of hedging my bets. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think it makes much I, I, You know, I've just been following the battery situation for quite some time, and uh, I, I still, my opinion still stands here with the Model 3 that the battery is just completely head and shoulders mm-hmm. above what they're doing with the S and the X. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a different animal completely. Yeah. And it really is the future of the company. So, and why they still haven't updated the S and the X uh, with this new battery is very—it's uh, upsetting. You know, it's supposed to be a premium car. It's supposed to get all the latest tech, and they're just kind of letting it sit out the pasture. Yeah. 
I don't know. That's a little What's upset. interesting, too, is that the Model 3, when it first uh, made its showcase debut in 2016, a lot of folks looked at the car and thought it was a stripped-down version of what they've been producing before, and they think that there's not a lot of luxury in what they consider a luxury-priced car. And, and I sort of stipulate that it's not what you actually see, it's what you don't see that makes the car so much better. And the technology behind it, uh, the advancements they've made in that vehicle, the display, the wiring, the t computer, everything, all about you know the future of what we're going to see Tesla becoming in the Model 3 uh, sector and, of course, with full self-driving and autopilot and what have you. So th the Model 3 was for, to, to go from what I consider their baby step production model to what they're now doing in the mass production environment uh, was testament to the way they sort of saw this coming down the pipeline years ago. And for folks to say the Model 3 is not a luxury car, it is. Now, if you're looking at feature to feature of S to 3 or S to X, yeah, there's going to be some differences between them. Um, and, I, and I'm with you on the idea, Trevor, that it'd be nice to see some refresh um, that's taken from the Model 3's DNA and injected into the S and X family so that you see across the family board uh, so a lot of the same technologies and features and things like that. Um, I don't think Tesla is not going to do that. I mean, we've certainly posited before. We think it's a matter of just when, not if. Um, I just hope it's sooner than later. But, I mean, look, if to me, if the battery technology is the major thing they change in S and X, uh, you know, sometime early next year, late this year, whatever it might be. I mean, kind of late in the calendar year, I would think now to see a change yeah. in 2019. <laughs> but if, they, if that's the big thing coming, if they don't change the interior, if they don't do anything else, if they just change the battery, and they make the range for the Model S, for example, approach 400 or break 400, that's a huge step forward. I, w I would agree that the battery would be the single largest change that they can make to those cars. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the interior is concerned, well, if you look at a progression of the cars, I mean, you got the Model S, which is um, essentially never really changed all that much, minus minor tweaks in the last seven years. I'll give you some examples here in a second. Uh, but you compare that to the Model X, for example, like the Model X has door pockets. The S doesn't mm -hmm. have that. It has adjustable uh, seat belt risers. Uh, the Model S still doesn't have that. Um, right. You know, there's, you, you know, you get into the cars and cursory examination. Oh, they look the same, right? Got the same orientation of screens, the same seats and stuff. But there are some creature comforts that are missing on the Model S. And, you know, here we are seven years later and they're like... Coat hooks. Co like, yes. yeah, coat hooks in the Model 3. I mean, uh, talking about that today. you know, yeah. like, what is the matter with you guys? Like, after <laughs> seven years, you can't go back and add door pockets in the car? Like, like, is Elon just saying to the designers, don't touch my car, don't touch my car? I mean, what's interesting, too, is we think about the very first iterations of the Model S. There was no center console. It was just an open floorboard between the passenger and driver's seat. And it didn't take long for them to eventually start adding stuff in the center console. Um, why after a certain, I think after like 2016, like mid 2016, they sort of stopped adding a lot of stuff, uh, and they kind of left it. And we, and now we're seeing some of the newer versions of the S coming out where there's stuff taken away, where you can't order a sunroof anymore online or things like that. Um, it is kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know if they're sort of scaling back because there's something in the pipeline that they're working on and they're trying to slowly remove certain things. And I mean, I don't know. Um, but it is interesting that after a while, like the Model 3, listen, it also could be the Model 3 was the focus. And so they were putting a lot of their time and energy I mean, that's a lot uh, into that car. Yeah. Resources yeah, are it, limited, right? Yeah, but it certainly is surprising that some of the basic things that we as a Model 3 owner now have that 
the S and X didn't happen. You said this a long time ago. You believe the Model 3 was now finally the perfect car. It has those feature comforts that were missing from other cars. Um, you know, it's just, it's Tesla nailed it with this design. Yeah, yeah, the, for, yeah the Model 3, I mean, I can't, uh, other than the glossy center console, which still drives me nuts. Um, I like mine. <laughs> he likes his. I do. Uh, yeah. You know what? If it didn't scratch so easy like and didn't yeah. show fingerprints, if they put an oleophobic coating on it or something, maybe it went so bad. But other than that, I think the Model 3, I mean, God, they nailed that car. They just got mm -hmm. everything just almost just perfect. I mean, there's a, look, there's no such thing as a perfect car. There's always little things you can do. But from a creature comfort aspect, um, I think they nailed it just right. They got the cup holders in the right spot. I mean, here we are three years later still talking about the Model 3 improvements. Of them. So I don't know. I, I just think that the Model S and X, I mean, they still serve a purpose. They're still great cars. Um, but there are some aspects that could be touched up. If they never mm -hmm. touch the interior of the Model X, I don't have a problem with it. It's 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 great. I mean, it's got cup holders. It's got the, the or not the cup holders, but the um, the door pockets, which are quite useful. Um, but other than that, I I can't really think of anything. I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of talk of them going to a you know horizontal screen and the HVAC system, but those are in the grand scheme of things, they don't really change the aspect of the car, the drivability and stuff, because it's already good. Yeah. Because you got the windshield to make up for some of that stuff. For me, it's just it's like the battery technology. The car is topping out at what two hundred kilowatt if you get one of the new Raven cars, and the Model Three is another fifty kilowatt. You know, you know, theoretically, you know, because you're not going to have you know going to get uh, two hundred fifty exactly, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's room for improvement, but uh, like Ian's, you know, kind of mentioned, I think it's priorities, right? They spent so much time on getting Model Three, and now they've put some engineering in and did Model Y, and they're sharing seventy five percent of the parts. I would say largely that car is almost, I mean, they're still doing some engineering and finalizing and stuff, but I mean, they're not twiddling their thumbs. Once they're done with that car, they got to move on to something else. So where do you spread your resources? Is it the pickup? Is it, you know, where do they go with these unreleased products? You know, they've still got the semi truck to deal with. I mean, they've been testing that thing for three years now. They got to mm -hmm. put that in production. Who knows what's going on with the roads, their situation. So. I mean, it's not like, okay, we're done, you know, yeah. all the engineers, you're, yeah. you're, you know, you let them all go, right? I, I can't see them doing anything significant to the S and the X until all the projects you just mentioned are at least put to bed in terms of production planning. Um, maybe then they can turn their attention to, to doing something with them, but I don't know. I, I have a slightly different point of view of the S, just a little bit. I want to hear it. We're all, we're all ears so, here. We, everybody has a different opinion. So I, I love the S. Obviously, I love the three, mm -hmm. but I think I think they're not doing too bad by not changing too much on that car. There are some minor things that you just mentioned that I agree, you know, may be better if they had it, but I think the owner of the Model S is a different, is looking for something different. It's a bigger car. It's a more uh, comfort oriented drive air suspension yeah oh by the way speaking of which uh, in case you missed it on twitter elon that did confirm yeah. of course this is news and i almost forgot to mention this of course but it doesn't look like air suspension is actually going to happen on the model 3 at least right now right. anyways so yeah yeah and that was speculated a long time i mean i think ryan on his podcast had mentioned it uh, got that information from uh, elon last year and looks like they were going to do it sometime this year but it looks like it's off the table now so i'm gonna do it in mine yeah. Who was it that was telling? Was it you that no, was telling me? Market. Somebody was telling me that um, was it Mojo? Yes, uh, Signature Wraps. Yeah, in Signature Miami. Wraps in Miami. Yeah, did they're it. they're do they're doing the installations and it's really awesome. Can you do a video on that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Go, yeah. All right. So 
subscribe to the Raphael's channel stuff. We'll yeah. get the information. Uh, they, they, yes. They, so apparently they did a custom install. It's like they they jury rigged the car. There, 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 it there's no kit. It doesn't exist. No, no. It's, they're it's, making it, yeah, right? Yeah. There's some common parts that they're using now, but I've seen two different installs. One where the compressor, all the equipment is in the front trunk. Yeah, so you and, lose the front trunk. Yes, and another one that they did, which was actually on, on his wife's car, yeah. where the, the components, uh, you know, to drive the car up and down are in the rear trunk on the, the in bottom. The well. Yeah. In the, the well in the back. Yeah, and it looks super cool. Yeah? Yeah, especially you can control it. Mine, if but I but it's manual mine, control. There's nothing. They, they haven't integrated anything with the software and stuff. It's manual. It's got to be manual. It's control. not. Yeah, it's not integrated with the Tesla, you know, yeah. software. Uh, I want to do mine different. I want to do mine with coilovers, so that uh -huh. if if I lose, you know, air on the airbags, that it doesn't go below a certain height, so that I can because I drive too much, right? Too far. Like I'm in Canada today. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. Two weeks from now, who knows where I'm gonna be? So mm -hmm. I want to be safe on that side, but. Going back to the S, the S has that, yeah. right? The S has that. It's a more like, the the Model 3 is more sporty the way it feels. Yeah. I think after they, uh, there was like a second iteration of the suspension that made it softer, but it's still a, a, a uh, like, I want to say a little bit of a rougher ride than the S. Well, it's more of a driver's car. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I still see that uh, there are some things that are needed, but I think the target you know, the people that are more interested in that bigger car for the, you know, I don't know. It's a different type of user, right? It's a use case that's different. That's my opinion. I think they're doing yeah. good. They could improve some things, but I don't think if they don't change them that they will stop selling it. The car's incredible. No, I think you'll still get 80 or 90% of your, your target client. Uh, mm -hmm. Just the people who want the larger, more luxurious, you know, mm -hmm. car. Yeah. But... It's just a little odd when you compare it, you know, it's, it's a car that really should be going head to head with the Audi A8, with the BMW 7 Series, you know, with an S-Class Mercedes. That's what it's against. And there's a lot of little missing details yes. that you expect. So that the type of buyer, I think, who drives the S. If they're cross-shopping. Yeah. Well, what winds up happening is I'm sure that customers who are not, you know, Tesla fans to begin with. Well, if they're coming from that environment, there's expectations. Correct. Right. Exactly. So what happens is they're probably looking like, wow, it doesn't have coat cooks. What do you mean it doesn't have pockets in the doors? What the, what the, what the? Yeah. Then they drive the car and go, oh. Oh. <laughs> and I think 80 or 90% of them, from what I've seen, just don't care. Once yeah. you've driven, it's like, oh, okay. Well, it's missing cup holders in the doors, but it's a friggin' spaceship. Yeah. So that sort of overwhelms the details, you know? I have but never, it, I and mean, we've talked about this, I've never met anybody who hasn't driven a Tesla who didn't want one after the test drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. So I, I think Tesla realizes this is like, you know what? Nobody's even close to catching us in that segment. So if we're missing a few details, too bad. We can still capture such a huge portion of the market, even though the car isn't perfect. And meanwhile, we got other fish to fry. I, that's what I, you know. Like. To, to the point you guys are making, the the Model S audience is a very different kind of audience than that for the Model Three. The Model Three is the the layperson's car, the family car. Um, so you have to have uh, amenities in the vehicle to make it amenable to anyone who's using it. So you could have door pockets for your umbrella or cup holders and that sort of thing in convenient places. The Model S is a bigger car. Uh, it doesn't need as many door pockets because ideally it's got twice the storage capacity of the Model 3 anyway. Um, but it's meant to be a driver's car. It, it's not It's not a let's go on a trip in this car. You know what I mean? Um, you can, but it's obviously wasn't, you know, the, the audience it was designed for is a little bit different. And it was designed for a high-end audience when it first came out. I mean, that car was an expensive car when it first mm -hmm. rolled out well, still is. Uh, years still ago. Is, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so, you know, there are people who will get that car Ian simply because it's, it's about class. It's, it's just showcasing what that car means in terms of status, um, which is fine. Um, you know, people look at my car and I had a guy today, I, he, we both parked in my apartment complex at the same time. And he was one spot next to mine. I got out of my car, I closed the door, I walked to my apartment door and he goes, well, well, you're just going to leave your car like that. I said, you don't have to turn it off or anything. No, I just, it's going to lock itself. It's going to do its own thing. And, well, and by the uh, way, it's a security system. So don't go missing with my ride. Yeah. He was, he was just dumbfounded by how simple it was. So I stood there and explained to him how it worked. I actually walked back up to the car, opened the door handle again. Um, and he was just like totally blown away by what this car could do. And, uh, I even offered him uh, a test drive if he ever wants to ride in the car someday. And he was like, really? Is it? Yeah. The only way to learn how these cars work is by actually getting in behind the wheel yourself. Yeah. Um, and so that's, and I know this, we're sitting in the show with one of the professional experts at doing this with getting people to buy their cars. Simply it's like, Oh, you want to see this here? Come inside and enjoy. Um, it is, it is an experience to behold yourself. And a lot of people that have either bought the car or have said, that's going to be my next car when my lease is up is because they got behind the wheel, drove it for even a matter of minutes and were like, Wow, now I get it. Yeah, people yeah. get it. You yeah. got to put people behind the seats. I mean, uh, we met that fella at the Supercharger today. He was driving a 2015 Model S. Mm -hmm. uh, did we catch which model it was? Was it like an 85 or something? Uh, it was a. Oh no, the one next to it was a 100D. I don't know. I think that I was an 85. Was. I think I think it was an 85. It was like an 85. Yeah. But anyways, he came over and he was asking questions about the Model Three. It's almost like he'd never seen the car before. Is this a Model Three? Which mm -hmm. one is this? He was asking questions. So I guess he's not in the Tesla sphere. He owns a Model S. He's happy with it. Mm -hmm. And he yeah. was asking questions about, you know, what are the differences and stuff? And, you know, you know, uh, what was his other question? Would you buy a Model S or a Model 3? And, of course, well, given the choice. Yeah. Yeah. Given the choice. So there's some different opinions there. But obviously, for some people that already have a Model S, if they're perfectly happy with the car, they're not looking at it at buying anything yeah. or switching. Right. I actually wouldn't so, mind having one. I like the car. Really? I'd love to have every what? Tesla. What, the S? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I really no. like that car. I, I, it still kind of has a soft spot for it because that's the first ones I drove yeah, were yeah. S's. I rented a few of them on, on trips, and I just fell in love with them. Oh, there's, something... there's nothing like a P100D yeah. to get that low end oh, right yeah. off the line, right? It's oh, yeah. That, that gut pop. Oh, yeah, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's would, you, would you take a free Roadster Gen 1 if it was offered? <laughs> sure. Over, over a Model 3? Oh, not over. No, over a Model S. Over a Model S. Okay, so your choice is first generation Roadster or Model S. Oh, you, that's a brutal choice. Well, oh, you mean dude. the highly limited production <laughs> yeah. collectible that, car yeah, that, that, no that can't one supercharge? Yeah, dude, I would take that car. <laughs> but the roof comes off. <laughs> that goes a long way with me, man. I, I would take that car. I'd love that yeah. car. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. with the rough ride and everything? Assuming I could of keep course. my three. Hey, yeah. I, remember, I used to race. It's a, yeah. it's a tiny little car, too. It's, it's, yeah. it's a go kart. Yeah. Yeah. That thing is a go kart. Has anybody driven one? No, no. My friend no. Lars did. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did. Okay. I've sat in them, but I haven't driven mm. one. I've driven the Lotus. Is, at is least. it like a Miata, in terms of size? Uh, yeah, it's tight. Ooh, yeah, it's tight. Yeah. It's a different animal to get in because it has a high door sill. So it's like there's some right. there's some physical gymnastics to get in and out of that car. I uh, I once saw a Roadster. I forget what color it was. It was like a light blue uh, at a at a service center here in South Florida. And I remember standing next to it, and I'm like, it was like waist level for me, and I'm like, that is a tiny car. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Tesla Toronto, Tesla Toronto in their back lot where they store some of the cars at the time, uh, there was a Model X back there and there was a Roadster and the Roadster roof barely came up to midway through the door. <laughs> it was like the Model X was easily twice as tall as the Roadster. It's yeah. tiny. Yeah, it is. It's fun. But it's a go-kart, yeah. Yeah. All right. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. So I, want, I wanted to give a, a service update. I had a mobile service tech look at my car on Monday. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I want to hear about that because we talked about that yeah, last so week. So how did we talked about it in the last show. Um, so I had an appointment uh, that I made last week to have my car looked at on Monday. There was um, my driver's side lamp had um, in a, a small portion of the lamp had discoloration that was yellow. It had been like that shortly since after I got the car. Um, my thinking was some LED light had blown or something happened, but the fixed the light itself worked fine. It just was a, an aesthetic that I just like, eh, kind of gross. So I made a uh, service appointment via the app that was took two minutes, had a great experience, got a call within minutes after I said it. Uh, the uh, specialist confirmed what the issue was, confirmed the date and time of the appointment, and said, hey, you might get a software update, don't do anything, and all that stuff. So come Monday morning, I'm running out to Costco, getting a quick lunch there, because Costco's great for lunch. And um, shameless plug. Just, and so, <laughs> just don't have the garlic hot dogs. <laughs> right? No. Well, I'm vegetarian, so that's already. Well, all I'm just saying. So just I, saying. I, get, I get the uh, I get a call while I'm at Costco. It's around 11 o'clock in the morning. My appointment window was originally 12:30 to 2:30 Eastern time. So it's 11 o'clock. I get a phone call from the tech. He's en route to um, my office to go take a look at my car. I was like, fantastic. He's like, I'll be there around 11:45. I'm like, excellent. So I get my lunch. I head back to the, my office. Um, He's there like at 11.46. I mean, it was incredibly on time. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, I meet with him. We talk for a few minutes, explain what's going on. He's got the stuff in the car. He looks at it and he goes, I've never seen that before. Really? But he's like, hey, we're going to take care of it. So, I mean, professional guy lays out the stuff. He's got his tent on the truck, the whole thing. He was there for probably about an hour and a half. Uh, he let me know it would take about maybe 45 minutes or so to kind of get the thing off, change out the light, and then put it all back together again. Um, and it looks brand new. I mean, it was professional, just incredibly well done service. Um, the timing was great. And then I had two other issues I wanted to bring up to him. One was the A pillar of my Model 3, which a lot of early variants of the Model 3 have sort of like a bowing or like a warping issue with the paneling. Yeah. You're talking he about said the just another appointment. Cover, right? the, the trim piece, right? Yeah, interior trim And piece. I've yeah. noticed uh, in recent weeks that the wood paneling on my dashboard is splintering. Oh, so I don't know if the excessive before. heat of my car, if the wood's dried out, and so it's basically cracking. Um, but it's it's very like if you were to rub your finger, you probably would get splinters in your finger. Really? That's how that's how bad the wood is warping. Um, so yeah. I made a service appointment for both those things, and thankfully, it too is also a mobile service request. Uh, so I'll have that taken care of. That trim uh, piece comes we, off; it's just clips. It just pops right off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, it won't take them long to fix both of them. Um, but I have the same window of time: twelve thirty to two thirty on thursday the 22nd cool so yeah wow. but so i mean so my first experience with mobile tech was just 
outstanding. It's it's crazy, isn't it? That's awesome. It's it's yeah. great. I mean, for those for those who've been you know giving us questions in the past about how great the service is, and you know, or those questioning is it ever going to get better, folks. I gotta tell you, it's pretty damn near perfect right now the way they're doing it. Especially when you don't have to worry about trying to get to a service center, worried about might have to get a rental, uh, it, you know, or a loaner. There, if something's fixable on site at your office, or your house, they'll come do it. And you know, they're they're pretty they're pretty punctual. Uh, they'll explain everything to you in terms of what has to get done. Um, and yeah, it's it's it was a great experience. Yeah, I think it's important to remind the listeners and the viewers though too that service experience for what you did and what most of us did is is different than say body shop stuff so if your car gets in an accident that's a little different animal there's a lot more lead time involved in getting parts and stuff Mm -hmm. uh you know there's repairs going on that's not an overnight one one hour job i mean uh you know the bumper situation that elon said that they're going to send bumpers fascias front and back to service centers and get them swapped out in an hour. That's one thing. But if you get into a major accident where there's repairs in the car, that's a different animal. And, and you know, parts could be weeks, sometimes uh, months. Yeah, some cases. I, I gotta say honestly, all the stories I've been seeing, there's still ro- roads to be done. There. Yeah, there's there's, there's improvement in there. Yeah. But the mobile service right. thing and the inroads that they've been doing on that is phenomenal because everybody that I've ever spoken to about mobile yeah. service has been like over the moon about it. It's it's really really a nice service that they provide. And that, is it really a great initiative they're doing because it frees up so much of the service phase and the team at the service center to do those major repairs you guys are talking about yeah uh you know you don't have to have you know 10 people lined up in the course of a day to bring their cars in you just have mobile techs go out to all of them and if you have 10 mobile technicians they do all 10 at one time in the same hour block or so and then okay now who's next they're able to service more people with the way they're doing it now than they ever could before at a service center of any size and I know that, uh, you know, Raphael's at Dania Beach quite often. Uh, I know the service center up here in Riviera Beach, uh, which is near West Palm Beach, Florida. They're also extremely busy all the time. Uh, so it, this is a great way to handle simple, easy corrections uh, without inconveniencing the customer or the company. There's, there's one other thing I like to add about it, which I think is cool, is it, it is, in some ways, a very subtle marketing program and sometimes not so subtle like the last time that they came out to yep. my house yep. i had a crowd of neighbors coming around like what's going on why is there a tesla car in your driveway what are they doing yeah. it's like they come to your house yeah. like mm-hmm. this precipitated a whole slew of oh, questions yeah. people were blown away by this yeah, yeah. so right. there's don't you know that's that's kind of something we don't appreciate about the program which is uh which is subtle but well the fact that they're actually you know when they they do the wrap on the cars like i know the tesla cars that they use for mobile service here are all cpo cars it doesn't matter what the color is it gets wrapped with white and they put the red door on the side yeah. and tesla on it so that you know you've got this marketing thing you're absolutely yeah. right it is a marketing thing and uh yeah i don't know they didn't do the tent thing with you that must be a Florida thing where it gets really hot. Yeah, well, you also, yeah. they also arrived in a, in a, in a gas car. <gasps> oh, was it one of those uh, Ford oh, Transits, hard. the little ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, Which, again, it, it may be that they're slowly but surely doing this. I mean, we, well, that will change. Very... Listen, when they get the pickup out or whatever the heck they're yeah. working on, that'll change. I mean, sure. they'll phase those yeah. out, of course. Well, there, we even had a story a while back where there were some Model Xs that might be converted uh, for the Still haven't of seen service. one of those. Yeah, I haven't seen one yet either. Again, that could be just something they maybe <laughs> shelved for now, but at least we, we did mention it uh, a ways back. Yeah, so. I know here that they use uh, primarily Model S's. There are a few Ford Transits, and I, w- I think I was told that one or two of them have wheel change equipment inside. So they can actually mm-hmm. do yes. some of that stuff. There's a few they can't around. do it in the Model S. There's not enough room, right? But they, but they use yeah. the little trucks for that. 
so I'm reminded really quickly. I went out. I went out before my bumper was pipping on my car, and I was looking at um, the frame of the vehicle uh, towards the bottom on the front bumper. And there was a, there was like a, a a number written in marker, and then after it was a bunch of question marks. And, <laughs> and I and at some point I'm looking at the the mobile tech, and I'm looking at it going, "Do you have any idea why there are question marks on that number?" <laughs> He's like, "I have no idea." And I'm like, "I can imagine some guys going, what what is it? Three seven? Wait, what is it?" Yeah, question mark, question mark, question mark. Like, I mean, I, mean, I, I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. I, I found it weird. I have a car, I have a car with question marks on it, which you know, given my life, is kind of appropriate. <laughs> that reminds me of something because yesterday we had a uh, meetup here in Toronto. Uh, we had Raphael come out, and we had about what about a dozen cars come out. I counted twenty. Twenty cars. Yes. And a whole pile of people. So I want to say thank you for everybody who participated and came out. It was very impromptu. We put it out on Facebook, put it out on Twitter just to see. <clears throat> uh, we had like six RSVPs and we had like 20 cars come out. So it was a lot of fun. We almost died of heat stroke. God, it was hot. Um, and uh, met all some really great people, a lot of locals that we know and stuff. It was pretty cool. I was so humbled. Yeah. I mean, the support that people give the community. Uh, the is, community is awesome. It's yeah. insane. I got mm-hmm. to meet some really, I mean, amazing people there that I met through Twitter, through social networks, right? And, um, you know, I don't have, you know, 50,000 followers or anything like that, like like you have, but. I don't the, have 50,000 followers. <laughs> well, whatever number it is, it doesn't matter, right? Like, okay. even like when I have one single follower, it makes me so happy that one person appreciates. What we do and how we do it. And, I mean, Tesla Milton. I mean, I can't. If I could mention them all by memory, I would mention them all. But know that I have them in my heart. They're so cool. They treated me really nice. Um, Met them. They asked me questions. I asked them questions about their experiences. It was incredible. Incredible. And the heat was also. Oh, yeah. It was hot yesterday, boy. And you know when a man from Florida is telling you it's hot out? (laughs) It's hot out. Even the guy from Florida was saying, oh, man, it's hot. Well. We were standing in the dead center, like right under the sun, no shade. Yeah, yeah. It was parking lot. Yeah, yeah. What I what I found most endearing about the Tesla community is not just how we treat each other, which is significant in its own right, but more importantly, how Tesla community members treat non-community members. Mm-hmm. How they're cordial, how they're respectful, how they're informative, how they're willing to, to educate. They're willing to take the time to answer questions uh, ad nauseum. I mean, you, Trevor, you have this one shirt, basically it's like, you know, what is it, how much that, you know, you have that stuff. And, it, and it, it's a fun it's a fun joke to talk about, but it goes to show that the curiosity of the non-Tesla owner is such that we are always willing to help spend the time to educate. Um, and that's made the community bigger. Uh, you know, they, people appreciate that. And people may say, you know, Hey, you know, do you have a social media platform? I want to follow you. I want to get more information. I want to ask you questions. I want to stay in touch. Uh, especially when folks like Ian and, and Raphael and even you, Trevor, have taken the time to travel to various localities, meet other Tesla owners and just keep branching out into more and more networks. Uh, it's, it's been an understated value that we as owners have brought to the community. Uh, that we're willing to share our passion about the car, the community, the com- the company, uh, you know, all of that uh, with with the novice person, and that's and that's something that I think that Tesla so so appreciates. I mean, we we see all the time now, even with their Twitter feed, uh, as as funny as it is sometimes, that they they certainly appreciate people who are really going uh, to great lengths to to help grow the community even bigger. That's what I like to say. It's the best cult ever. <laughs> it's a change of mentality that needs to be worked with, right? Yeah. Uh, 
we don't need to worry about many things that we used to worry about. We're immune to, to some things now right. because we're driving electric. Yeah. I mean, forget about all the benefits that, you know, for the planet and all that mm -hmm. stuff. The cars are great. They stand on their own, like yeah. merits, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, fanboy, call me whatever you want. Yeah. But, uh, they're great. I love it. I'm not going back. I do want to mention that uh, a couple of the guys that were at the meetup yesterday, uh, Calvin um, and uh, was it Dax and Ryan, yes. um, have started a local Durham slash York uh, outreach uh, program uh, where they're going to get a bunch of Tesla people, as many as possible. I think uh, as of count uh, tonight, they had 20 members that had signed up. And the purpose is to go out and do more community outreach. Take the cars to events where people are, rather than try to get people to come to us and just sit there and explain the cars and take people for rides and stuff. So I highly encourage, if you're in a community and you want to get more involved and uh, you want to talk about cars and stuff, get out there, uh, do the same thing, join a bunch of uh, groups, go to car shows, um, do your own thing. Don't expect people always to come to you. you got to go out and do these things because I think people will appreciate it a little bit more. Well, one of the things I was thinking about doing, of course, we went to the concert in the park there tonight. They have a farmer's market there every Saturday, and I thought, well, you know, what if we got six cars every Saturday and put the cars there, and then, you know, it'll get attention, right? And you, you can just mm -hmm. talk about it. Mm -hmm. And because the community already knows you, it's like yeah. you already have an in, so to speak. So these are things I'm thinking about and stuff. So I'm going to help these guys out. Uh, I think it's a really good cause. So anyways, I just wanted to mention that in case anybody was thinking about that. One more thing I wanted to mention too, and um, I put it on Twitter, but not everybody knows about it. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned, I was talking to one of the young ladies who just had picked up her brand new SR Plus, Standard Range Plus, rear-wheel drive car. And I know there was some talk because someone had sent me some information that all the performance Model 3s are getting the the door on the bottom for the hitch. Mm -hmm. Largely, mm -hmm. I believe this is because with European cars that started shipping in April, by law, if you have a hitch on the car, it must be OEM installed. It can't be purchased aftermarket. So Tesla has revised the diffuser on the bottom of the car where there's a door, much like the Model X has. You pull up the two pins and it exposes the area where the hitch would be. Whether you have the hitch or not, it's just kind of built into the car. Anyways, long story short, um, I confirmed it yesterday. The SR Plus that she has, she's only had it for two weeks, has that door. Mm -hmm. So it looks like Tesla has revised the cars. So all the cars, all I'm going to assume, 3s. yeah, all the Model 3s. Uh, now, as of May. As of, yeah, April or May, I, I believe, something like that. Uh, we'll have this door. So if you're um, if you're getting a car, um, you can expect that. So even though Tesla doesn't make the hitch available third part or not third party, but um, on their store at this point, doesn't mean they can't. But things like the eco hitch and stuff, it's great because now you don't have to cut a hole in the diffuser anymore. So, mm. anyways, something an observation I mentioned that I saw yesterday, and I mm. thought it, it was worth mentioning. So. So I wanted to uh, ask you guys a question. There was uh, some chatter today. Our friend Earl, uh, whose <laughs> shirt Ian is proudly wearing, for those of you that are listening to the podcast again, um, there was he was. Uh, I love Earl the Dead. <laughs> His stuff is hilarious. Yeah. If you guys don't know, follow Earl on Twitter at twenty eight delays later. That's two eight D E L A Y S L A T E R on Twitter. Uh, give him a shout out there. Uh, he, there were some conversations uh, in the past 24 hours about the uh, Jaguar I-Pace. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there is a tongue-in-cheek sort of response uh, <laughs> to the way that the I-Pace is performing. But I wanted to get your greater greater sense on it in terms of what you think it means for, not just for Jaguar, but for other ice manufacturers trying to go into the EV sector. Um, and overall, what you think the contribution is to the EV market as a whole. I'll go first. 
if you don't mind. Go ahead. I am all for manufacturers giving to EVs. It needs to be done. It's a fait accompli. It's, it is happening. Um, some are doing it better than others. My personal opinion with the Jaguar R-Pace, I don't have a problem with what they're trying to do. I think that the way that they're kind of marketing it right now is a little bit, you know, they're trying to go after Tesla owners, right? They're going to the mm -hmm. superchargers. They're showing these cars off. All the, you know, their documentation is mentioning, oh, you know, it's like a Model X. And they're mentioning Tesla by name in there. Listen, if you have to mention your competitions by name, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. It's not cool. Stand on your own. Show the car on its merits. Why do you have to, like, when you're saying, oh, it's comparing it to a Tesla, the, you're, you're already setting a bar that you're trying to compare it against, right? And I'm sorry, I've sat on the I-Pace. As nice as the interior is, it's not a Model X. It's not as big. It's not as performing. It certainly doesn't have the range. It doesn't have the performance. Um, the only thing going for it is a nice interior. And I applaud Jaguar for doing it. But if you're going to do your marketing that way, I'm sorry, it doesn't work. And you're not going to get Tesla owners to convert. I'm sorry. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, Jag's ace in the hole with this car is it's a perfect transition vehicle. For if you want an extraordinarily conventional car that just happens to be electric drivetrain. So if you want the traditional Jaguar or traditional luxury car experience, because let's face it, even a Model S or a Model X, is not your traditional luxury car. It's a very different mm -hmm. experience, you know, by intention. You know, basically everything about convention was thrown out the window with those cars. They're still a little more conventional than a Model 3, but there's still a lot of differences. And Jag said, no, you know what? What if people still want one button per function on the dash or that feeling of very opulent luxury with, the, with you know, there's tons of different surfaces and things going on. It's mm -hmm. a very busy interior. Yeah. A lot of people like that. You know, I, we've, we've had discussions with people on, on Twitter and commenters in the show saying, well, you know, I really find the Model 3 interior too sparse. It's not always for everybody. So I appreciate the fact that Jag's gone and built an offering that would appeal to their traditional customer. It's got all the key styling. I mean, if you if you own another model of Jag, you'd slide right into this thing without feel blinking. Home. You'd feel completely at home. Go after that customer. It's like somebody who basically has an environmental, you know, sense of res environmental responsibility, is curious about EV drivetrains, whatever, but wants to stay in the Jag family. There's nothing experience. wrong with cannibalizing your own sales. Correct. You know, and they're going to have to do it. I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's a tough decision to make and it's a hard one to justify at this point when you've got so much, you know, sunk costs into, you know, ice drivetrain manufacturing facilities and things like that, you know, to explain to your shareholders, yeah, all that stuff is going to become obsolete. So we got to kind of go over here. Mm, that's a bitter pill to swallow, but it's going to be a lot more bitter if you don't start doing it in the next couple of years. The clock is ticking. And if you're not on board the EV train now, as a manufacturer, you're going to have a very steep hill to climb to try and even I, I would, catch up. I would f hope and I would, f well, fear in some ways that I would hope that if the sales of the I-Pace don't really, because they haven't been very good, nope. that they would say, you know what, nobody wants EVs because our sales are tanking and, uh, you know, we use that as an excuse to not pursue and keep going. I hope that they don't, they would fall victim to that. Um, but again, I think it falls back to, you know, you're, mark, you're, you're preaching to the wrong choir here. We're already converted. Yeah. You know, we're in that Tesla camp. There's so many advantages to the Tesla. We're, we're, you know, don't tell me about a car that can't supercharge. We're not interested. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with cannibalizing your own sales. Go after the, the Jaguar market. That's what the people want. Like yes. they want, they want electric F pace. Yeah. Sell them an I pace. Yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah, um, specifically about the uh, about the Jaguar EV, 
I, I drove one. I drove one on the streets of Miami, and I drove one very hard. And I actually liked it. Mm -hmm. The one thing that put me off was, you know, they were telling people that um, you can go anywhere you want in it. And it's true, but you need days to get to places where I need a couple of hours. Yeah. Right, like you're not coming to Florida to Canada and in five charges. Right? I mean, you can, you can, you <laughs> yeah. can. Yeah, I mean, if you, you fly, if you fly part of the way, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I, I, it's, it's not. This is not a Jaguar problem. This is an all other manufacturers that are not Tesla problem. Yeah. There's no big infrastructure. So for a local uh, vehicle, I think it's perfect. If the person is not going to do multiple, like multi thousand mile trips. Mm -hmm. Or multi hundred mile trip. If they're, if they're not you. Well, no. I mean, I can go in a, in one of those to from from Miami to Orlando. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, uh, okay. barely, but I can. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm lucky enough to find a level, you know. Yeah, level what, three. Three uh, charger. But yeah. well, the problem is that there's not many level three chargers out there. Uh, there's thousands of slow, almost like charging in my house. Mm -hmm. You know, places. Sure. So I think that's where they their biggest because they have a great um, every it's like you said right like the three style and like single screen and nothing else it's not for everyone mm -hmm. and Jaguar has their own you know people that are loyal to the brand yeah. and they did what their customers want but the infrastructure and I think people are afraid of that so we need more more charging stations you know like more charging stations that are fast so that people don't worry about even though most people drive the average I think it's like. 30 or 20 miles of you know yeah. commuting a day so people don't really need to even ha have their yeah. cars over 200 300 no, miles it, because it, they never do that exactly the idea that you need more than 200 miles on a regular basis is not there but the whole premise of the automobile is freedom mm -hmm. it's the idea that yeah. you know what if if it, like yeah. you just decide to say screw it tomorrow i'm yeah. driving mm -hmm. you know to wherever mexico city or something you just want to get in your car and you want to go the idea yeah. that it's there that's the promise right. of it, you know. Yeah. You you can only do that in a Tesla right now. Period. I mean, it's it's the yeah. reality right now. They own the electric market right now at, at, the, yeah. at this point. But See, I, the other thing too is you got to remember is that you know if if somebody's spending that kind of money, what's an iPace? What seventy five thousand dollars U.S. starting price? Somewhere in there. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere around that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's face it. If somebody's going to buy that car and they're going to look at that spending that kind of money and they want it to be their primary car, you're going to be cross shopping. You're going to be looking at other cars, whether mm -hmm. they're car capable, right? Nobody's going to spend $75,000 on a car where you can buy a Model 3 that's cheaper, that can do more range, that has more benefits, and 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 it be the primary vehicle. I think, I think people would be more accepting of a car that can, say, do 150 to 200 miles if the car was... $25,000, right? Because then it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll buy it as a secondary car. But people buy a car, it's like, I want this car to do everything. And you look at all the objections or the its limitations, and it's it's hard to justify. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, that's another way to look yeah. at it, I guess. The I, only other I mean, the intriguing thing with the vehicle is, and I, and I sort of, you know, I, I kind of understood a lot of where Earl was coming from in his tweets. My overall thing is, and Ian was so spot on mentioning it earlier this week, which is we are doing the EV community a disservice if we in any way come out against another brand's electric car. You know, the, the whole idea is that we cannot be uh, the kind of people that go, well, look at this piece of crap they put out there. It's got a range of, of 98 miles. Ah, who's going to drive that? 
any electric vehicle that's being put out on the, on the road that can replace an ICE car is exactly what this world needs right now, among yeah. hundreds of other solutions, mind you, <laughs> because we, again, we are in a climate crisis. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good that we're we're doing these things. Um, you know, is is the car? You know, look, if you're looking at that vehicle solely as an electric car, comparing it to nothing else, it's a great electric car. Mm -hmm. It's a great electric car. The problem is Tesla's bar has been set so high for so long that almost everyone has no choice now but to go. Well, how does this compare to a Tesla? Yeah. Because Tesla's been doing this for the better part of ten years. So we 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 you know the company knows exactly what the hell they're doing. Um, that puts every other car on the market at an unfair advantage from day one. Because if, let's go back to the battery conversation, Model S gets a new battery next year, and now the range is 400 miles, mm -hmm. and Ford or Audi or anyone else comes out with a 280-mile range car, someone's going to go, well, you're, you're, you're comparing apples and oranges. And I would say, yes, you, it's unfair to compare a Tesla to blank manufacturer, but compare an existing Jaguar to now an EV compare a, a Ford truck to an electric truck. At some point, they have to look within the brand, not externally, yeah. to decide how they're gonna market these vehicles. And Trevor, you're spot on correct. Like to, it is, you're already just, you're not gonna get a Tesla owner to really convert unless, and I've mentioned this before on the show, if you are a brand loyalist, if you've driven BMWs for years and you wanna get an electric BMW, have at it, that's fine. Tesla may not be for you, that's okay. But I'm the kind of person that if you get into an electric car, I'm giving you golf claps, standing ovation, go for it, because that's right now what we need. We need to get these ice cars off the road. So, yeah, is Jaguar's I-Pace car their best thing they come out with right now? Maybe. Is it the best thing they're going to do? Hell no. We know they're going to improve the technology. Mm -hmm. And to Raphael's point, we're seeing third-party companies like Electrify America, ChargePoint, many others basically being part of the grid to supplant the necessary charging stations um that manufacturers are right now lacking they're they're sort of the in between between what tesla's been providing its customers between just the homeowner goes well i gotta plug it home because all i got um i think over time whether it's leasing programs whatever it is where these manufacturers start basically buying into them and go hey we'll we'll purchase you out or we'll basically give you money for advertising dollars and in turn you give free charging to our customers maybe that's something they can do moving forward um, there's stations popping up everywhere, which is fantastic. Uh, we need to see gas. Like I told people when I used to work for Tesla, every outlet in your community is a charging station. There are more charging stations in North America than there are gas stations. People go, and that's not true. Mm, if yes, you have is. an outlet, you can charge your car. Yep. So yes, there are more charging stations. Yep. But Raphael's right. If you're planning on those occasional trips, you want to go with the kids to Disney. Uh, you want to go visit family in North Carolina. You want to go, you know, drive to Canada to visit friends because you're a sycophant. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all it's all Slide it's all necessary it. that we have those quick charging stations. So oh, I, I think we're very near. Um, and I'm thinking 2020 is a good year. This is going to happen. We're going to see a lot more level three charging stations for non-Tesla vehicles starting to really become more prominent. And that's going to allow more companies to really kind of think to themselves, if we can get the timing of this correctly, we can actually get these concepts into actual production and start selling some of these cars. And we have enough charging stations within certain, maybe you can tell, Hey, if you live at the East coast, you could go from Florida to New York city charging all the way through and it'll take you only 30 hours. I mean, you can start getting people to think, oh, yeah, it's actually not that bad. So 
we're we're getting there. Um, but I think anyone, and if if you're anyone who listens to our show and you and you're on social media and you're blasting somebody else, you're you can do that if you want to. I'm advising you don't do that because uh, it makes you look bad, but it's also making someone go, "Why would I want to get an electric vehicle then if there's just so many problems?" We we really can't afford that right now. We need to make sure that we're giving thumbs up and going, you know what? You're trying, you're, you're getting there. Just keep moving forward. We know eventually you'll become you do the right thing. Yeah. to what Tesla's doing big time. But sometimes we have to slap them in the hand because they talk really, really bad about Tesla when they have no business, like they, they can't touch it. And you know, sometimes you have to like, Hey, come on. That's a different thing, Raphael. What, yeah. what I was talking about earlier in the week, and I've been on this for about a year and I try not to preach, you know, like I appreciate mm. the people that follow me and I don't want to tell people what to do. I really don't think I have any moral authority to do such a thing, <laughs> but it's the one thing that happens within the EV community that does really get on my nerves. It touches a raw spot. And it's when I see people really attacking another brand, mm -hmm. their EV effort and saying, yeah, it's crap. Nah. No, I just won't stand for it. Straight up, it's the one thing I ask people to like, look, let it go. We are at a, it's, it, you know, I'm not going to repeat what Eric just said. I think he said it perfectly. Mm -hmm. We're at a crucial time in Earth's history. We have to change. Every car company needs to be on board. Tesla can't do it alone at this point. They no. just can't physically grow fast enough. We need every company on board. So I encourage everybody's efforts. Mm -hmm. But what you're talking about is when people come out and you know will attack Tesla right. on something that's completely baseless. Yeah. Defending your brand is one thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm yeah, all yeah. on board. You know, you yeah. want to defend. You know, you want to come after right. my brand. Who? Hell yeah! I'll slap right back. Don't worry. Come but, at me, bro. Come at me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm never ever going to attack somebody else's EV effort. But hey. you know, the, the big manufacturers are doing a really big disservice because uh, I think today I read on the news on on Twitter. I think it was in Colorado that there's a big effort you know advocating for the ev community and there was some voting happening today and um i don't want to name any manufacturers but they put some some false information out there right about how and, and they didn't point it to tesla they were just saying that in general evs are a terrible idea and they listed like five bullet points that were all crap yeah not true and the problem is that they have uh the the power the monetary you know, power to, to put bad information out there and people are afraid. Mm -hmm. So we it, call, it, we call them merchants of doubt. Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, funsters. Oh, that's to that point, that Coke yeah. story, the Coke yes. brothers, if you're unfamiliar with the story, uh, the Coke brothers own a huge number of companies here in, in the United States. Um, and for 28 years, they've been basically putting out bad information and trying to get people, uh, to not combat climate change for 28 <laughs> Eight yeah. bloody stinking years. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about just exactly what that core messaging has meant and what companies and 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 consumers alike have essentially steered away from um, because of bad information, because of misdirection, because of whatever propaganda you want to talk about, um, we've lost three decades because of things like that, those kinds of initiatives. And it happens all the time. Lobbyists do it. Uh, congressmen do it. I mean, people in the public eye do it. Um, so yeah, it is hard to sit on these high horses that we're on now and try to preach from above and say, you need to do something. Um, but we, there are a lot of people who have been banging this table for so long and they've been ignored, shunned, discredited, uh, when they was undeserving of all of that. And now some people even still doubt what's happening. I mean, Greenland had their most massive ice melt ever, uh, last week. Um, the sea levels are now permanently risen because of it. 
Um, we're seeing global temperatures broken all throughout the month of July. Um, in Canada, in Toronto today, uh, near Barrie, the temperatures there were almost equal to what it was here in Florida. And we're, you know, 1,500 miles away from each other. So it's it's just, it's an exasperating thing to con- continue talking about. Um, but Anne's right. Like, it's one thing to say to a, a Teslacker, hey, you know what? I'm going to defend Tesla because you're you're wrong. You're just, you're spouting off false information. You're lying to everybody. It's a whole different thing to look at a different manufacturer and go, what the hell are you doing? What kind of piece of crap is this? Don't do that. No. Don't Don't be... To them, what you don't want people doing to Tesla. Don't be that same audience. Don't be better be that, than that. Rise above it all. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Well, on that note, I think we should call it an evening. And since uh, Raphael is our guest here tonight, we will let him uh, start. Uh, where can people find you and uh, talk with you on the internet? Plug whatever the heck you want. Um, Tes Latino in English. Tes Latino Espanol in Spanish. It's a new channel, but I'm... So on YouTube. Yeah, I'm putting it out there on YouTube. Uh, I also have a S Tesla podcast in Spanish. With yes, a yes, Tesla, yeah. ES Tesla. Okay. Uh, stands for It's Tesla in Spanish. So that's another place where you can find me. Claro so, que sí, señor. Ay, muy bueno. Exactamente. Exacto. It's, uh, yeah, Tesla Latino, basically. Excellent. Good. And uh, Eric, since you're in Florida, you go next. Yeah, so uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure you can see it here on the on the video, no, but uh, if you guys are listening to the podcast, yeah. uh, it's on Twitter. The handle is ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X. Uh, my thanks to all the new followers, commenters. Uh, this community is ever-growing. We thank you so much for tuning into the show, uh, for supporting our sponsors, uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, all of that. This, this means so much to us. It means so much to me. So uh, my thanks to all of you. Again, it's ECFIX on Twitter. Great. And Mr. Ian Pavelko, where can people find you if they want to have a chat with you? Well, on Twitter, uh, just simply at my name. So at Ian Pavelko. Uh, on the Tesla Owners Online Forum, you can find me uh, under the handle Matt Hungarian. Uh, be sure to ping me if you have a specific question there. And uh, also uh, at uh, teespring.com if you're looking for um, some of the Evolve wear, which would be uh, my line of particular Tesla garments. You can uh, now get da, 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 the Model Y shirt. Yes, it's, it's here. Finally amended. And not just the shirt. We've got socks. We've got mugs. We've got absolutely anything you can imagine. All <laughs> with the Model Y. The flamethrower! Pla- no, no flamethrower. No, it's I, not a flamethrower. It's not a flamethrower, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, all that good stuff is now available. So the, the original Evolution shirt now with the Model Y on it is available at teespring.com. You want to add something else? Yeah, I wanted to mention something uh, down where... It- you know, the area where I live, you mm-hmm. know, near uh, uh, Eric, we have a, you know, club going strong and growing the every official. day. Official Tesla club in South Florida. Mm-hmm. There's two clubs in Florida. We are the official South Florida club. And anyone watching the show from Florida, Florida feel free to co- uh, contact me or reach out through the Tesla Club South Florida.com website. I'll put a link to uh, the official list of clubs all over the world. It's hard to find on Tesla's website, mm-hmm. but I'll put a link here in the uh, podcast in the video description. So if you want to join an official Tesla Club, uh, you can use that list to uh, contact the, uh, the proper people. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, well, that makes it last for me. You can follow me on Twitter. The handle's Model3Owners. Uh, check me out on the forum. The handle is TrevP on TeslaOwnersOnline.com. And I want to say a great big thank you to our three sponsors. That's the great guys at uh, EvanX and uh, Doolaban Insurance and the great guys at Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings to keep your car nice and clean. And uh, with that, we will talk to you next time. And thanks for listening, no matter where you happen to be. Good night, guys. Bye. Bonsoir tout le monde. Ciao. Game over. Hasta luego. Ha, ha, ha.